0: Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Oneshot.net. Episode 20. Replace Small Schools with Hubs. Part 4. This is part 4, the final part of our episode on small schools. While it might be useful to listen to the first three parts of this episode before this particular part, to give you some context and rationale, I'm gonna try and summarize what you missed in a few short sentences. In the first episode, I gave a bit of an introduction to small schools, what they are, their history, and rationale as to why we really, really need to do something to save them. In part two of the episode, we looked at some of the research on small schools since the start of the 21st century and we tried to find some sort of new direction. Uh, Part three focused mainly on the recent small school symposium and also an Irish Times article shortly after that. And finally, in this episode, which is part four, I'm going to share my own ideas and see what happens. However, in a nutshell, if I were the Minister for Education, I would be proposing some creative thinking around small schools in Ireland, and I would create school hubs around the country. Just to recap, why are we even bothering with small schools? Well, I mean, the simple answer is they're all closing down, and we're doing nothing about it. In 1824, there were 11,000 schools in Ireland, there's now just over 3,000, and in the last 15 years we've lost 420 small schools roughly and more and more are closing every year we've uh, looked at some of the solutions that the uh, representatives have uh, produced such as giving more money or things like that but we've examined why that won't save small schools. Even giving a, a smaller class, or you know, reducing the people teacher ratio won't sm- save small schools. Anything that's really been suggested isn't actually going to save small schools. And we've looked at all the international research, uh, which will give us, which give basically ideas of thing, of different types of school networks and. These ideas, as we've seen uh, in the last uh, few parts of the episode, were brought to principals and brought to uh, representatives. Um, however, none of them sat well with uh, with the groups. Um, and there is an allegation, I suppose, that Ireland is different from other countries. And ultimately, nobody really understands the small school apart from the small school principal or, uh, or something uh, like that. Anyway, let's uh, finally... Um. In our, in our fourth episode here our fourth part of this episode look at my idea if I were the minister for education now I spent the last number of weeks obsessing absolutely obsessing over small schools I've read every paper I can find and I've asked everyone I can think of for their thoughts um, it's brought up some interesting points including one I think that definitely should be returned to uh, which is somewhat linked uh, which is when should a school stop expanding so it's kind of the opposite problem there are lots of schools out there that um, expand as there's demand, um, demand uh, for them. So uh, this is particularly interesting in rural areas that are close to town centres, where we see schools and town centres with declining populations, while schools in the outlying villages becoming very big schools, kind of white, middle-class um. Uh, schools basically because white middle class families send their children there and yes we know all the reasons for that white flight very much exists in ireland much like white flight very much exists in other countries where loopholes of uh, small schools or minority schools exist so there are some weird situations where there are villages in ireland where the school population is actually bigger than the population of the village anyway it's a very relevant uh, point and thanks to uh, Uh, that teacher on facebook for for raising it Uh, and it definitely needs to be looked at as part of this argument around small schools so i'm going to go through around 20 points um, some of which are just thoughts and meanderings and starting points for thoughts Um, and when i say there's 20 points they're subdivided so there's quite a lot of thoughts Um, which hopefully will i suppose ask more questions than any solutions because I have I guess my idea but what I want uh, to do is put it out there see what people think of it and um, maybe maybe there is a solution within it Uh, I'm not saying everything I'll say is right um, or even popular or even um, palatable but uh, let's give it a go Um, so let's start before I started researching this topic more fully um, and that's before I read the 2004 IPPM paper where they threw out loads and loads of idea I actually wasn't even aware of the correct terminology for the each type of the school networks now I chose the word hub as you'll notice from my um, the title of this podcast um, episode um, but I really should have chosen the word federation if I was using this uh, 2004 IPBM paper, um, the definition of federation. However, the thing is, I like that word hub because federation doesn't feel right to me now. it's all semantics but basically i feel we really really need to look at trying to find ways to bring a load of small schools together to create one bigger school um and that's without closing down those small schools so that's that's really in a nutshell what i'm trying to do over the next few bits now it doesn't mean as i said closing any of the existing schools what i mean um and what it means is that one school in an area probably the biggest one becomes the center of that hub um and of that cent- uh, In that hub, there's a number of smaller schools within a round distance of it. Now, I'd suggest that no school be more than 20 minutes drive from the central hub school. So uh, any school within that time frame would be part of that hub. And the principal in that centre would become an admin principal and they would serve all of, that, all of those schools in the hub. Now the principals in the other schools would remain as day-to-day school leaders and they'd probably be basically something similar to deputy principals responsible for their small school. Now the argument I've heard not in favour of, uh, of this model, I mean there was a couple, but on two occasions really was um, the idea of status. And I would imagine it's qu- it might be quite difficult for somebody who's a principal now to um, basically be told you're no longer a principal and now you're just, um, I suppose, uh, akin to a deputy principal or a postholder. However, this doesn't work in isolation. These hub schools would also need access to facilities that big schools would have. So I'm talking about access to a full-sized hall as a minimum, for example. I'm also talking about a sports pitch. Uh, would it be mad to share a public swimming pool, for example? I I don't really think so. Um, and what about a proper library? Uh, what about personnel? I mean, each hub could share a full-time administrator, for that, that's basically a secretary, on a central phone line. So this would ensure that all the hub schools would be able to get on with the teaching and learning in their schools, and any admin would not have to fall on them. I mean, what about situations then, I suppose someone's going to say, OK, that, that sounds all fine, that's all fine. But what about situations where a parent needs to get a message to a school, a hub school, quickly, let's say, about a forgotten lunchbox or a change to who's going to collect their child that day. Well, to be perfectly frank, we we just have to adapt um, as a society. And that's kind of where technology comes in, in a way. I mean, technology can help us there. I mean, granted, however, there's going to be a bit of adjusting needed to a slightly different culture. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that, you know, if a parent forgets to send their lunch in with the child, well, I mean, they're not going to be able to get a secretary you know 50 percent of the time anyway in small schools because there isn't going to be one and um, so you know it's just going to be a change in culture and um, someone might say something uh some, uh some might argue against that with what about a behavior problem or a bullying problem for example in one of the small uh, schools well what happens now what happens now um you know do you need a principal in your uh, to deal with that first thing well no because the parents should talk to the teacher first and follow the process and if it has to go further then it's the central hub principle and yes before i forget if we are to have boards of management there would only be one board of management for the entire hub so school leaders would feed into this board of management much like postholders do in the current setup so effectively again it's just a slight uh, change in mindset these smaller schools have a hub principle so we'll we'll look at that and ultimately basically the change in mindset for this idea is that schools would no longer be independent entities basically so effectively what we're saying is small schools may have to lose their independence as independent entities and rural schools would be basically become multi-campus entities now before you shoot that down this is absolutely normal even in ireland i mean check out teacher training colleges uh, check the one you went to yeah i mean they're on separate campuses and no primary schools don't have to be different they really don't so i guess i i, I mean if i haven't convinced you by this by now I'm probably not but let's just go with it as a uh, uh, go go with it and uh, as if it is going to work how would we actually decide on these hubs so my suggestion would be to start with electoral areas and uh the electoral areas basically and keep subdividing until you have the correct area size so that seems like a simple enough idea um in a way we're kind of i suppose it's it's, it's not quite parish based electoral based which isn't which isn't too uh too uh, sort of um difficult to to do because they already exist but how is this actually going to save small schools really you might ask and uh, that's a fair question surely everyone's just going to flock to the school with their with the with the principal not the small schools with no principals now i've no idea where this logic comes from but let's just go with it and here's my solution to that problem so basically i suppose what i'm building up here is okay so if you have a big school in a little area you have all these small offshoot schools where there's no principal well if you want easy access you'll go to the big the big school because you know why wouldn't you so um i mean i don't know why that doesn't happen already why people don't flock to the bigger school versus the smaller school it kind of doesn't make any sense but let's as i said let's go with it let's go with it let's go from there now i need i I did mention this uh in a previous part of this episode but this is the solution to that problem we need to get rid of competitiveness and what do i mean by this this comes back to my earlier argument about collegiality in schools in ireland schools are basically fighting each other for enrollments and this is especially true in rural areas where numbers are falling and teachers are being lost because of this. Now, I'd be absolutely shocked if that school in the Irish Times that I mentioned in the previous uh, part of the episode wasn't increasing its numbers by getting enrolments from outside the vicinity. Because my suggestion is very straightforward. Get rid of school choice. Just get rid of it. Basically, everyone just goes to their local school. That's it. Your local school is allocated by your address and there's no argument. And yes, I do realise that some people pretend they live somewhere else and so on, but overall, the vast majority of people live in one house, and that's the address they use. And ultimately, um, if you get rid of uh, choice and you go to your nearest school, then you don't have to compete with your neighbours. It's as simple as that. Now, I've heard that the result of this is that certain areas become ghettoised, and others become more salubrious, commanding higher house prices, and so on and so forth. But this happens already with school choice. I mean, like just think of your own locality, where do all the white kids go where do all the where do all the you know the the children from uh, migrant backgrounds go? I mean they tend to t- the, the the actual fact is we ultimately whether we like it or not and in fact i don't like it we that this is what happens with school choice. You look at shared campus arrangements um and uh, we can go back to one of our previous episodes about the good school i mean this is the type of thing that happens anyway, so actually. Putting, um, putting actually this this um, sort of constraint on people uh, means that they just go to their nearest school and they don't go searching for the good school um, because that doesn't exist. We, as we know, as teachers, we know that doesn't really exist. Anyway, the second thing is the advantages of removing school choice means that we can actually plan school sizes by population properly because you're not shooting off to another village. You're not driving 20, 30, 40 kilometers to your next uh, place um, and basically would get rid of the, the white fight or that that white flight problem i keep speaking about uh, uh, at, at the moment um, and schools would basically have to be built to a certain size and they'd have to remain that size unless the population in the hub grew so for example a new housing development would ensure that new school places would be needed so basically the hub idea would mean that we could pull together the number of classrooms available in a hub and ensure these were all full before we built any more classrooms Simple. I mean, it seems it seems to make logical sense. We've loads of empty classrooms in informally big schools, and we've uh, and we're building on classrooms in areas because they're they want to expand their uh, expand. So you're getting prefabs everywhere, uh, followed by permanent buildings because uh, there's a, a an allergy towards prefabs um, by the government. So wherever they see them, they basically replace them with permanent uh, buildings, even if they don't need to. But yes, here we go. There here is the big one. What about ethos? Ah, gotcha now. Well, idea three. The simple answer is you just have to get rid of it that's that's it we have to get rid of denominational education in small schools at the very very least if we have to keep it denominational education is going to have to happen as an after school club now obviously i think all schools should be secular and there's no good reason to have denominational schools in fact one could rightly argue against the thing i constantly hear from small schools that they are the heartbeats of communities because they're not for non-christians basically there's no small schools that are heartbeats of communities for people that don't subscribe to whatever christian background people come from and there's no way i could send my son to a two-teacher rural school because whatever class he's in he's going to spend most of the year opted out of class while sacrament preparation is going on if he's in a two-teacher school it's either he's going to get it a communion and if he's in the other class the senior class he's going to get it with a confirmation so effectively what's he going to do anyway in order to save small schools they really have to do this they actually just have to grasp the nettle if that's hate cliches but that's a uh, uh i suppose it's 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 come to me and no anyway each of the schools in the hub can't be a different religion because i've heard that as a possibility so you have like the catholic school in the hub the church of ireland school in the hub a muslim school in the hub a rastafarian one well i haven't heard a rastafarian one um but anyway honestly just just do the faith formation after school for god's sake <laughs> uh, for god's sake it'd be a, a very 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 apt in that you just just change switch things around at the moment we have a religion happening during school we'll just have it after school what difference does it make anyway so we need we need to consider that and i don't think it's a really bad idea anyway um so but particularly for small schools we need to get remove it so there can be heartbeats of all communities not just christian ones and um, fourth idea i mentioned this earlier but the pub is going to benefit from shared ancillary staff not just a secretary or an administrator but cleaning staff Caretaking staff, a hub will be able to hire full time ancillary staff shared between the schools and they would be available when they'd be needed. It would be up to the administrative principal, the, the head principal of the hub or whatever we want to call them, the principal area principal or whatever, um, they would decide when they were needed and uh, or, or as they were needed and uh, this would be decided by them. Let's push it further. How about local people feed into these hubs in other creative ways? And this is my fifth idea. For example, What about school lunches? Local people can produce food, because in rural Ireland that tends to be what a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the communities are producing, which would be uh, food in some way. Or for items that can't be produced, a local business might set up in a kind of a hub area to serve the general community of the hubs, but also the school. So, for example, someone could open a cafe in the area, or a restaurant, or a pub, or a supermarket, or all of the above and their products would feed into the school through maybe school lunches now i'm sure there's loads of other creative ideas there for businesses that just don't exist in rural areas at the moment i mean who knows you could see a hairdresser opening up though i am not quite sure how that would serve the pupils in all the hub schools but you know we can if we think creatively we can come up with really good ideas i've seen um uh, a particular situation where a community centre was built, kind of in the middle of uh, an area where there were three schools, and that benefits quite well from the three schools. It, the three schools use the community centre for several uh, different um, events, and it worked really well. So my sixth idea is, and I, what I really liked, um, what uh, it, that the school did in, in Derry Uber there uh, in County Clare, and what they had was was that it was open for childcare and after-school care. Now, the hub model might not necessarily work for families that have to work in urban areas and commute, but couldn't all the schools be open from 7 in the morning to 6 in the evening every day with child mining services available privately, for example? Or, like, what do people do now? I mean, you know, I don't think it's such a crazy idea, really. Because what do they do now? Well, it's likely they drive past their small school and send their children to bigger schools where the service actually exists. Or maybe childcare companies could provide a bus to deliver children to schools in the hubs. so you drop your kid into a childcare center or a, or a childcare agency um somewhere uh, in the county on uh or in your hub or it wouldn't be a county it would be your hub your little area and the bus would drop you to this to your nearest school uh, to your house now, it's something worth exploring i mean i i, I think i i don't know um I don't know, there's probably a, a better way of doing it, but surely we can incorporate childcare into hubs. It certainly would be a good business idea. Now if we watch that nineteen seventy four video from of Clacken Hill National School, it, or if you remember me saying in the last uh, part of the episode, 54 of the 74 pupils were bussed into schools from all sorts of areas around that, that neck of the woods, which is kind of interesting. So it's not like it would be a, a radical idea, particularly. This, this was happening ages ago. It's still happening now. There's buses going into sco- coming to schools everywhere. There doesn't necessarily need to be as many buses as there are right now. Speaking of buses, anyway, seventh idea, for this idea to work, there needs to be a bus service serving the hub area. But I think we could push this a little bit further. It needs to be more than just a school bus. What it needs to be is a community service, not just a school service. It needs to serve as a public transport system throughout the day for the entire community. And this is going to allow people to travel within their local area without the need to drive. And this service won't only drive children to and from school. It's going to provide a number of stops throughout the day, much like any city service might take for granted. Its regularity would probably depend on the size of the area, but there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't loop around all day and all evening, and it could even link up with other hubs so people might be able to commute to work using public transport. So, for example, you could be in a little loop uh, uh, hub uh, in the middle of nowhere, but one of those uh, points or stops would link to another hub somewhere else which would serve another area and who knows that might link up to wherever you work uh, for example so we could actually get to our schools and get to our uh, different areas using public transport so for example um a local hub service might serve a radius of about 20 kilometers Which is fair enough, and one or two of those stops is uh, in this radius. Radius could be a stop to another hub, which might serve another radius. But one of these stops could be a train station, or a direct route to a city or a big town. So I mean, that's kind of my idea, slightly developed. Now, obviously, this has huge benefits outside of the education system. But with this idea, um, it's an essential one. Like we can't plan for small schools without planning for the small communities that they serve, and there is no point in just having a bus. Basically, works for tiny bits of the day. Why not put it out to work the whole day? People have to be paid anyway for providing the bus service. Why not? Uh, why not increase that um, and uh, and see where that goes? We we'll move on to the next point, number eight. Remember all those closed pubs, guard stations, shops, post offices, and all, all those things that have been shutting down. Well, in a hub situation, there's no reason why points on our hub can't contain these services. Not every small area has to have a post office, but one of them can. And providing regular public transport to them can help make them accessible to all those areas so the idea is that we build communities around these school hubs so maybe we have some closed buildings that can reopen a couple of days a week maybe i don't know this is where we can learn from the church for example i mean in very rural areas services had to be reduced due to the dwindling numbers so some parishes have kept their churches open by having services in different buildings um, but less regularly so you might have your 11 uh, o'clock in the morning mass in one part of the hub and a one o'clock mass in another part of the hub, if that makes sense. Uh, maybe a doctor or a community nurse is a better example. So if you need a doctor, it's unlikely your nearest GP in your direct local towns- is in your direct local town zone, so you have to travel to visit your GP. So basically the idea of these hubs is to breathe life into these rural areas by sharing resources and linking them together with good public transport. So who's going to say no to a bus at 11 in the night, at 11 o'clock at night from a hubs pub? you never know i mean could that happen right number nine and that is the elephant in the room possibly um none of this is probably going to save small schools (laughs) i mean i guess we've come up with eight ideas but ultimately we have to stop here and say this isn't really going to save all small schools certain areas are going to become depopulated naturally and one might argue that basically this idea is simply a far more complicated convoluted version of simply pausing that death the uh, step in the right direction the death of the small school and in reality doing nothing is effectively just as effective but being, to be perfectly honest i don't think it's true i truly believe that my idea here um, i don't know my idea tweaked will actually breathe new life into rural ireland and will give services such as supermarkets post offices banks gardee and so on back to these rural areas Doing nothing just ensures that nothing changes and then in 15 years' time, we'll see another couple of hundred small schools gone. If we try something, at least there's a chance that that won't happen. However, and we go out into point 10, the point remains that certain areas do have population decline. And sadly, I guess, we aren't going to save every small school with this idea. If population is declining, then we're going to have to shut down some schools in hubs really the only fair way of doing this is when a school in a hub hits below a certain number then we have to say look we've had a good innings we just need to close this one down part of the hub we're not saying it's goodbye forever but for the moment we have to close it down and um, that's how it's going to be and what that number is is going to have to be government policy so it's going to have to be around um the entire um country We can't just pick numbers out of our bottoms uh here now in 1927 you might recall it was 30. 30 was the number decided and in sweden today it's also 30. now i'm not going to pick that number but i'd suggest if we can't fill classrooms we have to do what we have to do and because a hub already exists with the same policies the same principle the same everything except the building relocating may not be as massive a problem as um as it may be right now where school schools are independent entities it's not it's not going to be the most lovely thing to happen but it's going to be a um, less change let's say or less um i suppose less trauma for a local uh, a very small local community um who will still be able to carry on almost as normal until things may improve depending on uh depending on situations because i don't really believe population decline is permanent 11 one of the arguments i've also heard is the entitlement to be educated in one's very very local area into their own community i don't actually buy it um to be honest with you because this right seems to cease once a child hits the age of 12 and goes to secondary school Um, there aren't there are only about 800 secondary schools in ireland and that's usually so people don't usually go to secondary school in their locality i don't think it's an entitlement i don't think it's I mean, it's a nice thing to say and it's, a, it's, it's something maybe that's nice to have, but it isn't an entitlement. Anyway, I think secondary schools need to become part of this solution too. Not every hub is going to have a secondary school, but every hub will have to have transport to a hub with a secondary school. And yes, that feeds beautifully into my new public transport system that I have magically created out of nowhere. So I can already hear rural Ireland hiding their turf piles now and claiming that the public transport idea is terrible. Because why is it terrible? Because it's terrible for the environment. Now I've solved that one too. Because every bus is only serving a small enough area. So alternative clean methods of public transport could be used. So yeah, electric buses. Look to be fair the future of transport is one where we will not be owning our own vehicles anyway so i mean having uh sort of taxis buses i mean we're actually i mean the, the idea is cars are going to become services um which is uh, which is kind of interesting but anyway that that aside um let's use clean energy for these uh, for this public transport fine you might say but what about the islands ha! well islands you win Ultimately, there are situations where there is only one school in a very large area where there's no way to get a a good public transport network in play. So in these cases, we simply have to make exceptions. I suppose that also has to include Grail areas, but they'd be areas of their own accord anyway. So all schools in these areas, so all these hubs, so it would be Grail anyway, so it could create hubs of these Grail because they're generally quite small and they generally tend to be in the same area. And if there are schools that are English medium uh, in these areas, well, if you're in a Grail You've got to speak. Uh, you've got to be a Gaelic school. I think that needs to be a rule. Sorry uh, to uh, those English-medium schools in Gaelic. I don't know if they exist, but if they do, sorry, you're going to have to uh, rescind that. So, what do we lose with this model? Well, firstly, rural schools are going to lose some of their autonomy. They're also going to lose some of their independence, and some members of staff are going to lose status. But we have to ask, what is gained by these losses? And I think this is where communities will have to make decisions, which leads me to the next point. And that point is, this model can only work with buy-in from communities. Now I guess the hub model can only work if communities buy into them. I also guess we're going to have to accept, given the level of opposition to any of the solutions since 2004 and the fact that they seem to be cemented, that this is going to be a hard sell, a very difficult sell indeed. And it's interesting that the findings of the IPPM paper have somehow made the feelings of rural schools even stronger. They seem to genuinely believe that the loose cluster arrangements are working even when hundreds of schools around them are closing. And even if the government pumped endless money and chopped the pupil-teacher to -to one-to-one ratio, it's not going to save small schools. Even if every small school principal was given full administrative duties, it would not save small schools. And even if every small school got a brand new building, it still wouldn't save small schools. In fact, it may be impossible to propose this solution while mindsets are so cemented however on top of that there are other mindsets there's such things as school choice different patron models and so on and that makes schools compete for resources and by resources i mean children and maybe we have to move remove those variables before we even think about introducing hub models in fact it won't work and i made that point there a little earlier on however the thing is we're running out of time we're actually running out of time. There are hundreds of small schools closing every decade, so we need to start acting quickly. And we're left with two choices. And we can stay in the stalemate that we've been in for the last 10, uh, 10 15 years and let schools in their communities shut down at random. Or we can give every small community some sort of fighting chance of survival. Both are valid options. However, if I was a principal of a small school, I would give it up to become part of a bigger hub. After all, the pay is basically the same and I would have much less responsibility. I'd also be able to teach all day, and any messages that could come could be passed through the hub principal or the administrator. Oh yeah, okay, I'd lose a bit of status, but what is that really? Only ego. Yes, we'd have far fewer principals in the system, and this might not suit the various stakeholders. There's less divide and conquer opportunities to be had, and for example, when it comes to post responsibilities last time, Didn't small schools win the pot of gold and big schools got very little? I didn't hear an ounce of complaint from small schools. And why would I? Divide and conquer works. It works really, really well. We see it in loads of aspects of the system already, and our representatives and the government have managed it magically. If they aren't pitting small schools against big schools, then it's denominational schools against non-denominational schools, or it's mixed schools against single-sex schools, or it's lower-paid teachers against people who aren't lower-paid teachers, or whatever... We could go on and on. dread versus non-drid. I I'm keep going on and on. Anyway, however, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to be told that I simply do not understand rural schools and I am not steeped in their culture. I am not a man of the earth. I haven't a clue. And this, as my friend in County Mayo stated, a load of tripe and maybe i should stay out of rural affairs and get back to my urban divide my the side of my urban divide and let the rural people deal with rural affairs look if nothing else i've learned that i can call as loudly as i like for church state separation I can take pot shots at the School and denying that they're elitist. I can even suggest that teachers should work a 40 hour week and not get a dressing down. However, I have learned that I can't question small schools, and that is something I can never understand. As I said at the start, I hope this podcast episode, despite its absolute verbosity and its length and everything else, has sparked some ideas as a solution to small schools closing down. I don't want them to close down, I would love them to thrive if they could it seems that their survival does rely completely on community involvement and i'm sure that's where the successes will start if they start and if all i have done is make you angry maybe let me know and perhaps you'll finally help me understand what i don't understand about small schools (laughs) So that's it i hope you uh, got something from this very very long and verbose four-part uh, episode on small schools i um really hope i didn't annoy people too much i, I i can imagine i did uh, my intention really is to save small schools i don't want to see small schools closing down uh so i hope if nothing else i've pushed people into thinking um of some creative ideas that they might consider maybe in their own communities um who knows but next week i don't think i'm going to have too many arguments against me and um, it's all about the new primary language curriculum and it basically has to be a lesson for what, what we would call design by committee it's basically as if the ncca had one idea and then hired loads of people who had the opposite idea and they ended up with a half-finished curriculum that somehow was worse than the previous one yep next week i'm going to propose that if i were the minister for education i would scrap the new primary language curriculum look again i hope you enjoyed uh, this uh, series of ep- uh series of an episode and uh, i I, and i hope um it wasn't as i said uh, offensive in any way to people who might be listening to this anyway be sure you um subscribe to our uh podcast if you can it can be found on itunes spotify or any other podcasting app by searching for either uh or if i were the minister for education um, i'd really appreciate any reviews you might give me particularly positive ones uh so other people can find uh the podcast uh what uh, on the uh, particular platform that they are using listen that is it finally that is it on small schools it's been the whole of my july uh spent on small schools i've been obsessing over it uh and uh, i hope i came to some sort of conclusions uh that might spark some ideas look i'll leave it at that thanks so much thanks a million we'll talk to you again bye bye